1: Welcome to CEO Coach, I'm Ann Kennedy, and today my business partner, Jillian Music, is off, I don't know, tending to uh, other really important company businesses. So I'm going to be doing an interview today with Josh Mayer, who wrote Startup Wealth. Welcome, Josh.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: We, I am so excited to have you. What I wanted to talk about your book, which is subtitled How the Best Angel Investors Make Money in Startups. We have, you know, a lot of startup CEOs who listen to this show, and I think that you really had some good things, some good learnings from them. I mean, I'm thinking that how the angel investors make money in
0: startups is something of keen interest to startup CEOs, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Without knowing how the uh, investors want to make money, it's tough to position a company trying to raise money from investors when speaking to them. It's
1: true. So let's talk a little bit about the investors. I was really struck by the breadth and experience of the people you interviewed. I think there are roughly two dozen in the book. Is that right?
0: Yeah. and, And that's just a portion of the investors that I interviewed. So I I interviewed about 50 investors, including investors in the US and quite a few other countries around the world. But the handful that are in here, there's really only about 23 investors that are in the book. And not all of them are angels. Some of them represent a micro VC, a micro venture fund under $50 million. There are a few investors in here who are venture capitalists by trade, but they're really investing at those same seed stage, companies. For example, Dave McClure of 500 Startups, you know, he's frequently writing checks alongside a handful of angel investors. So understanding, you know, how he views the companies he invests in is is important for those first few rounds of financing.
1: Yeah, some of your investors I found were not quite as high profile as Dave McClure of 500 Startups. How did you choose them?
0: Yeah, you know, I uh, talked to a lot of people and I spent a whole year, I spent all of 2014, really interviewing investors, and you know, I didn't really have a a model for for who would be included in the book. All I had was some prerequisites to the kinds of people I was trying to connect with in and interview, and the kinds of people I was trying to interview were, were people who've been investing for more than a decade, in preferably you know two or three decades, and so they have that kind of hindsight view of of what has been working and, you know, have kind of matured and grown as an investor and can really articulate some of those lessons that they learned. And, and they would have some interesting stories to tell along the way. So I interviewed a whole bunch of those. And then it turned out that they started to sound, some of them started to sound just like the other ones who I'd interviewed. So I kind of started seeing that trend where I'd interview one investor and everything they talked about in terms of approach to investing what they look for in entrepreneurs, what they look for in a pitch deck, how they wanted to support and and work with the entrepreneurs long term, started to sound like some of the other ones. And so the 23 that are in here really represent kind of the spectrum of, you know, all of the different archetypes of investors who are out there. There's some people who fit each one of these personalities or profiles or archetypes of investors, you know, to a T, but for every investor I've talked to, and I've interviewed more than the 50 since then, kind of as a to double check my work, uh, you know, they all still fit into these profiles. So
1: I'm tempted to ask, what are you going to do with the other three dozen interviews? Is there another book coming out?
0: Oh, I started to put them online. The first one, Samil Shah, is up today on StartupWealth.com. And I'm working with the other interviewees a little more casually on the schedule than I, I was with the book, to be honest. But all of the profiles are going to make their way online. So they'll be available for everyone to read.
1: Yeah, I know full well a book schedule can be pretty intense, you know, those deadlines that the publishers expect. And that can kind of make a point where you have to say, okay, we're stopping here. But there's always so much more to talk about. So I noticed in your book that you divided up your investors into groups. You had momentum investors, value investors, and alternative investors. Why did you find it important to segment them that way?
0: You know, it's interesting. One of the investors who I spoke with, a guy by the name of Christopher Mirabal, he and I had an interesting conversation, really around this kind of general categories that people tend to fall into. And you know, at the time when we had this conversation, Christopher actually suggested to me that that I not write a book with interviews of angel investors, but instead write a book about this. Who these different people were, and how they fell into these different broad categories. And so, while I was going through the interviews and and looking for where the story in the the book really was, uh, you know that it struck me that it it was very obvious and and an easy split between the investors who are you know really focused on metrics. you know they want to look at hard numbers to validate assumptions around markets and Price elasticity and, and margin, and all of those other factors. And then there are investors who you know, they don't really want to look at any of that stuff. You know, they're really focused on, you know, kind of the, the vision of where the future is going, and you know, the ability for someone to really capture a meaningful product within a market that's growing like that. And you know, those two different types of investors you know, generally don't agree with each other. They'll generally tell you very different types of advice. They'll tell you no for different reasons, or they'll tell you no for opposite reasons. You know, One investor will say they don't want to invest because there isn't enough data, and the other investor will say that they don't want to invest because the market's not big enough, even though the data that you have may show the market is big enough. So it can be confusing for an entrepreneur raising capital from these kind of different types of people, and so, emphasizing just that, that there's a, an easy kind of categorical split uh, between the value-oriented, metrics-oriented investors and the momentum or visionary-oriented investors, and then the alternative investors are, are really taking an approach that's, you know, not not falling on one or the other side of of that equation. And so they're looking at things like impact investing. So you know, having some kind of a triple bottom line or they're not looking to do, you know, any value add whatsoever, you know, they're purely looking to generate an index or they're, you know, investing only in in really late stage, you know, secondaries like pre IPO markets, that kind of stuff. And so those alternative investors are, are really a different animal than, you know, some of the investors who are in the kind of momentum or, or value categories.
1: Well, then it seems to me that it is absolutely critical for a, a startup entrepreneur to be able to determine which kind of investor is the best fit for their company. Is that true?
0: Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the easy thing for entrepreneurs to, to kind of start thinking about is where are they in the life cycle of their business? You know, are they able to you know, articulate in enough detail data around the assumptions they're making about their business model, about the market they're going into, about the customers they're working with. And, and if they don't have enough, you know, really any data whatsoever, trying to get an investor who wants to see and look at that data is going to be really, really tough. So generally the earlier the investor or, or the lead investor in a you know, seed or series A type of a company are generally in that, that visionary side of the spectrum. Or, or at least they're more so in that visionary or momentum side of the spectrum, you know. So they have an understanding of the market that a company is in. You know, they have deep connections either with capital who invest in that market or customers who are, are frequent buyers in that market, or they've built something in that space themselves. And so, really finding that that kind of deep uh, company fit, you know, is something that the earlier investor into a company needs to be. And then, you know, as the gain momentum with investors and start to form some of that data that you can give to to an investor to really analyze and look at the business, you know, the easier it is to pull in some of those more metrics driven folks. Now, if you start out and you have, you know, some great data around everything that you're doing, there's certainly no reason that you can't skip straight to a more metrics oriented investor, uh, but it's harder.
1: That makes all kinds of sense, certainly to find the right matchup, but Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really see investors walking around with name tags saying, hello, I'm a momentum investor, or hello, I need data. How do you identify the investors once you've identified where you are in your company?
0: Probably the hardest of all of the parts. You know, investors are the least transparent people out there. (laughs) You know, for people who want to find the uh, best companies to invest in, they, they sure make it You know, as hard as they can on entrepreneurs to figure out if they're a good match for them or not. And most investors are, you know, are are not very transparent about that sort of thing because they, you know, some have a fear of missing out on an interesting opportunity. Some haven't thought through, you know, really what their approach is, what they, you know, like to do. And so the things to start looking at to identify investors are what things have they been investing in in the past? Quite a bit of that information is available. Uh, it's not available for everyone through, you know, publicly available sites like Crunchbase or uh, you know, Mattermark has an, a fairly, relatively cheap entrepreneur subscription. So there's places to start to figure out what people have been investing in and at what stage. So you can get a sense for if someone has a background in airplanes, for example, and they've invested in nothing that has to do with CAD or you know engineering you know, maybe they're not really investing in, in something that they know very well and they're looking at, you know, more of the metrics around the businesses that they're investing in. So that would be a clue to what that investor, you know, profile is. The other ways to start to tell it, is you can get a sense for how investors are thinking about the business just by the way they respond to, you know, in, interactions and, and questions and engagement. Probably tough to, to articulate all of it in one conver- or one interview here, but The things that they're saying when they start pushing back around data or they start pushing back around how big a market really is, it's a clear sign that they don't already have an understanding or a vision for that market or where that market's going. And so you can pick up quickly that they're not going to be a visionary investor for you. They're going to be more of a metrics-driven investor for you.
1: Well, that's all really good advice, and it makes perfect sense. And we need to take a break now for our sponsors who invest in our program this is Ann Kennedy with the CEO Coach. We'll be right back with Josh Mayer.
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at wmetraining.com.
0: at BruceClay.com.
2: We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy. I'm talking today with Josh Mayer about his new book, Startup Wealth, which is on angel investing and actually a bit more. And we're digging into why this book is important for startup founders to read. Josh, in the last segment, you were talking about how to identify the appropriate kind of investor, understanding that there are different kinds of investors, your momentum investors, your value investors, and you said it's difficult, they're not transparent, which I I agree with completely, and that it's important to look at what they have invested in and that might give you some clues and look for the pushback when you ask them questions, present your data, things like that, and be listened very carefully. What other tips would you have for our startup CEOs about how to identify
0: the right kind of investor? On the flip side, an investor who is ignoring the the data that you may be presenting to them, that's usually the kind of the quick and easy signal anyway, to to determine that they're not interested in in looking at the metrics in detail and are more on the visionary side of things. On the flip side, you know, investors who aren't interested in, in having a lot of meetings, you can start to pick out investors who are really only investing through online platforms, for example, AngelList or DreamFunded, what have you, or they're trying to only invest through funds. So they may list themselves as an angel investor on, on LinkedIn, for example, but they may not be actively investing kind of independently like some other angel investors do or like traditional super angel, if you will, would. So that's another signal that you can start to pick up on to, to determine if someone is the right fit for you.
1: So I'm a CEO. I have a startup. I've done some seed money. I have a minimum viable product. What's my next step?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so the, I, you know, the next step, you know, really is trying to determine you know, what kind of investor is, is the right fit for you. If you're going to keep raising you know, angel money, um, Or if you're going to raise some angel money and then move on to venture capital money. And so kind of figuring out what that longer term trajectory really is, is going to help. You know, one thing when you're looking for angel investors, you really want someone who's going to add value to the growth of the business. And so usually that's going to mean follow on capital. That's also going to mean, you know, customer revenue. And then the third piece that it really means is supporting you as the entrepreneurial team, the founding team. Those later stage investors really kind of past the B stage investor, Series B, you know, they're not adding a whole lot of value. So it's trying to figure out, at least, you know, for you as a, as a team, you know, they're going to add a lot of value for the company, but it starts to move away from the entrepreneur. And so trying to find investors who who you like to work with, who can add deep value, that's certainly the, the first step. And then from there, trying to determine, okay, well, for the first folks who are going to be investing, if I need more of a visionary investor or momentum investor, looking for people in the industry who are investing, who may have an interest in investing in your type of a business. If you're looking for more of the, uh, you know, the metrics driven investors, it's a similar process who, who has been investing in that space or local angel groups who invest in businesses that are selling to customers like the ones you're selling to or investing in business models like the one that you're using. And so just trying to categorize some of those general areas. And then when you're really doing that diligence with the investor, you know, they'll be doing diligence on you as an entrepreneur. They'll, you know, talk to your customers, they'll talk to, you know, people who you've worked with in the past. But for for you as the entrepreneur, you know, you really need to do the same thing. And so talking to other founders, both in your network about what investors may be a good fit, but then also when you're talking to the investor, talking to the founders of the companies that they funded in the past, and particularly the company they've recently funded as well as someone who they've funded you know, maybe five years ago. So you get this sense of kind of who they are and how they really help. Do they really add value? And in what ways do they add value? They may say that they're going to create customer connections for you. Or help you with follow-on capital, but really digging in and saying, you know, have they really been doing that in a significant way? Did that really add value to the company that they invested in? I think you know, that's an important thing as well.
1: Yes. So I noticed in your book a common theme among many of the investors that you interviewed was that notion of adding value of you know getting uh, you know, knuckles into it, you know, either in some significant way helping to advance the growth of the company. What other common themes did you pick up from your 23 interviews in the book
0: yeah there were a lot of people who you know were really focused on the adding value component there's also a, a good collection of investors who are concerned about entrepreneurs so they you will know, do things like background checks and and take out you know insurance policies on on the executive team that was actually a, a more common theme than than i realized i would have come across and the reason I didn't realize that it would be a common theme is because so many investors are, are you know so opposed to doing things like taking out insurance or, or doing a full you know background uh, check on an entrepreneur. Many investors take the approach of talking to co-workers, talking to you know, past team members, and don't think to go as far as, as doing a background check. You know, other themes that were really interesting, there was you know a real clear split on investors who cared or, or who were interested in investing through online platforms and investors who were happy to invest in online platforms yes yeah, so some you know were just strictly opposed to it and others were really happy to do it so that was another interesting theme where there was you know some people were really heavy on it and others weren't
1: that's a very interesting split. Can you sum up the reasons on either side? I mean, yeah, online
0: investing is, has uh, taken a great leap forward. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, the investors who who aren't interested in, in investing online, you know, they tend to have been investing for a, a little bit longer, and they tend to have been able to generate themselves you know, a real high-quality deal flow that they're comfortable with. And so... Those investors are usually investing in their own backyard. You know, they're not necessarily investing in something in another city. If they are investing in another city, something in another city, it's been brought to them by someone who they've been investing with, you know, time and time again for for years. And so it's a fairly trusted connection. The investors who are, you know, happy to look online or, or just use an online platform to execute a transaction You know those investors have kind of taken the approach that they're interested in the asset class, and they're interested in the ability to get connected with entrepreneurs and ideas that are outside of their reach locally. So typically, an investor is you know not in a high growth area like like Silicon Valley that's interested in, in looking at an online platform. Now the deal lead, you know, for example, the person who's running an Angela syndicate may be in Silicon Valley, but most of the investors, you know, the LPs of those syndicates aren't necessarily in that location. Those investors are trying to get access to more differentiated or interesting deal flow because they don't have what they believe is, you know, a consistent, steady flow of the best companies in the country that they can invest in in their own backyard. And so they're opening, you know, their exposure to a wider range
1: ah to access what you said the best deal flow in the country i see where that would be but the notion of mentoring and coaching ceo coaching i noticed came up over and over again in your book and those would be your the investors who are not so much online not so much arms length
0: wouldn't they yeah absolutely so yeah most of the people who were investing online weren't you know investing you know deeply on the mentoring side you know it was a, an occasional call here and there that kind of stuff You know, some of the investors only invest in a handful of companies that and with a very deep mentoring relationship and others, you know, invest in in a a variety of companies. But, you know, still focus on how they can add value in small ways to each of those companies. So it varies.
1: And in having talked to all these investors and even all the 50 interviews, what do you think is your best advice to startup CEOs about what kind of investment to seek?
0: Yeah, you know, really play to your strong suit. There's a a broad enough spectrum out there of investors, just like there are a, a broad spectrum of customers who you're selling your product to. And some are a really good suit for you as the person selling securities in your company. And some aren't a really good fit. So really understanding what kind of investor you're better at closing and then, you know, trying to target your efforts, you know, down on that path, you know, will really reduce the kind of the friction and frustration that you come across through the process.
1: Well, Josh, that sounds like a great first tip. We want some more tips after we come back from our break. We need to take a sh- couple of minutes for our sponsors. So, we'll be right back with Josh Mayer of Startup Wealth. <laughs>
2: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Development.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and today I'm talking with Josh Mayer whose book, Startup Wealth, How the Best Angel Investors Make Money in Startups, is available now. Josh, before we get into our last few tips from you for our CEO entrepreneurs out there, tell us where we can find the book.
0: Absolutely. So the book is available uh, for sale on at most booksellers. Uh, if you head over to uh, startupwealth.com, I have links to both the uh, Kindle version as well as the print version. Easy way to get access to the book.
1: Well, great. We're going to put those links up on our Facebook page so everybody can find them. Also in our archive on webmasterradio.fm so that everybody can find your book. And I wish you the best of fortune with the sales. So back to the tips. The last tip you, you gave us before the break was to really understand your company and where you were and target the right kind of investor, whether it was a data-driven value investor or an investor that was more interested in the momentum of your vision. That's a great tip, and I think that's a fundamental place to help our CEOs not burn up a lot of time chasing down the wrong the wrong avenues. But what other tips would you have for our startup CEOs who are listening about how to identify how to prepare themselves and how to approach angel investors?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing you know, that all of the investors are interested in is, is getting a return on their capital. Even the you know, alternative investors who are you know, impact focused, you know, they're, they're looking for a return on their capital. So trying to really understand how an investor is going to get their money back in some shape or form is an important thing to go into the fundraising process with. Another key item, and one of my favorite investors that I interviewed, Joanne Wilson, she has just this one short quote in the book, which is When you see a red flag, you know it. And that quote in context is really that investors walk away when things are just too different from the norm. You know, when there are terms in an investment that, you know, are just kind of strange or or take a lot of time and kind of Thinking to understand how that'll play out in terms of the you know, tenure life of the company after they make the investment. So you know, anything in ter- that's kind of out of the ordinary for an investor, you know, is something that's really difficult for an investor to do, and many of them walk away from those red flags. So you know, thinking about how normal the terms are that you're presenting to an investor is super important.
1: In other if- words, this is not the time to be the outlier.
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah. to be, be soothing calming and make yourself look like a really good investment
0: yeah you know another one around when you're working with investors is really understanding how they want to be involved in the business and giving them a place to do that you know it may not necessarily be that you know a strong investor comes in and, and has a board seat and advisory shares and all those other things, it may be that the investor comes in and they have a few really strong connections that they want to leverage to help the company succeed. And just providing them a facility to engage with the company in a a meaningful way is important. Have you
1: got a quick example of that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there was an investor that I interviewed and he had a variety of experiences around product distribution. And the distribution experience that that he had it wasn't necessarily uh, in uh, the consumer packaged goods space for food, but the investor, you know, he's mostly a high tech investor, and so but he just dist- worked on distribution of products like, you know, GoPro, you know, th- those kinds of you know tech products. But investing in consumer packaged goods, in, in really food products, the distribution requirements were still super important, and so understanding how to structure a national and international you know, distribution network was something that he really wanted to add value to, you know, the businesses he was investing in, even though he otherwise didn't have a whole lot of value to add on the, you know, food creation process. And so he was able to really move the needle. Yeah,
1: because the distribution is, is, as we know, we've known for some time now that a great many startups fail from lack of a good distribution system and the basic tenets of, of distribution are most likely transferable from one vertical to another. That makes perfect sense. Last tip before yeah, we have la- to close. Last,
0: last tip is to keep everyone informed from the beginning of the fundraising process until the company ex- exits, keep everyone informed. You know, as you get people interested in the company early on before you've closed your first round of financing, you have know, something that you can communicate with them on a regular basis, an, an email perhaps, that you're sending, you know, monthly or quarterly, that's just demonstrating the progress of your business. When you get down to the point where you're about to close your round, and you can go back to some of those investors who were soft circled and say, hey, you saw what the progress we made over the last three months or six months through those emails, you know, we can execute, are you really interested in investing? And the same's true as you move throughout the business, you know, investors really want to be kept in the loop. So that's an important skill to lock down.
1: Well, Josh, thank you so much. I think that this inside look at what goes on in the heads of uh, angel and startup investors is, is of great interest. Your book is available. At, you have links at startupwealth.com. I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your information. And tell all our listeners, go get Josh's book. It's really, really interesting, and it will help you along the way. Josh, thanks a lot. Thank you. That's it for this Monday at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more at facebook.com forward slash CEO Coach Podcast. Stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there. And tell us what you'd like to see or hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ian Kennedy, and you can find out more about how Jillian Music and I help companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at OutlinesVenture.com. Till next week.
2: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.